You are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. My name's Liam, one of the pastors here. If you're new with us, uh, welcome. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us today. You know, our, our goal as a church is to be a church uh, that wants to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And so that was, that's what we want to try to do, to help people come to know Jesus Christ by loving them and leading them to Jesus to experience that new life uh, that Christ gives us. So we, uh, along that way, we say there's a couple of things as a church we want to strive for and, and seek to do. First, we want to be a church that serves within our community. And so one of the things we talk about here, if you're new with us often, is the community around us, uh, we exist for them. They don't exist for us, all right? So, so God did not put all the people around us to make Heights Baptist Church bigger. Uh, God put us here and all the people around them to uh, propel the gospel out, to see the kingdom of God grow, all right? So as you're out fighting traffic on Gordon Street and Highway 6 and 288 and all those other places, here's what I want you to try to do in those moments that you're in the traffic, okay? Are you ready? Thank God for all those people because all those people have a soul and all those people will end up in eternity somewhere, all right? So next time you're in traffic, you just pray that. God, thank you for all these people that are around here. Because if all these people come to know Christ, you get more worship. All right? So thank you for this traffic jam. Thank you that I get to pray for every car around me, especially the guy that just cut me off. Okay? All right? So you try that. So we want to be a church that that serves within our community. Uh, We want to be a church that shares the gospel. All right, so we're out there and we can try to have what we call gospel conversations where we talk to them a little bit about the Lord, however long that conversation can go. Maybe you're inviting them in to hear the word of God within our services. We want to connect to each other in life groups. We want to connect in relationships. And then finally, we want you to engage. We want you to grow in your Bible reading, your prayer life, and giving, and serving, and sharing. And, and so as a church, we've got certain goals uh, this year that we're, we're out to see how many times we can serve and share and do those things. So as you're out there doing that, you can kind of put there uh, how many times you maybe have invited somebody in this week, this month, how many hours you've served in the community, maybe gospel conversations. Uh, you're going to hear in a couple of weeks kind of a report on how we're doing on some of those goals. And so make sure you just put it, you know, just mark it there. You don't have to put your name down. That's okay. You know, I know some of you are like, ah, why do we have to have a new miracle goal and all those things. Listen, do you have a weight loss goal in your life? Okay. Remember you have a weight loss goal, right? None of us want to go, you know what? I want to put on 20 pounds. Maybe you say, I want to lose 20 pounds. Well, that's a numerical goal. All right. So as a church, we want to say, hey, you know, we want to have some numerical goals out there because if we aim at nothing, guess what? We'll hit nothing. You know? And so all that is is just for us to pull together and say, look at what we can do together. And so you can mark that little card. You can put in the offering uh, basket as it comes around later in the service. If you've got prayer requests, other things, you can mark that as well. If you've got a Bible, let's go to 1 John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be in 1 John 4 this morning. We're going to talk about testing the spirits. And I'm going to meet you in verse 1 as we look at the importance in 1 John chapter 4, in verse 1, the importance of testing the teaching that you hear. You know, uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve reports right now that there is $1.7 
billion dollars uh, in circulation in the United States. Right? So that's a lot of money out there in circulation. If you've ever been to maybe the, the grocery store or, or out to eat and, and you pay for with a $100 bill or a $50 bill or a $20 bill, uh, what's happened? They kind of take a marker out and then they, they mark that bill, right? Or maybe they hold it up and they're looking at it in the light. What are they doing? They're testing to see if that money's real, right? They're testing to see if that 100 you gave them or that 50 or that 20 is real or as if it's counterfeit. So in this passage, John's saying, test the teaching that you hear to see if it's real, So what you as a believer in Jesus Christ want to do is constantly test the teaching that you hear to make sure it's real teaching, that you're absorbing real teaching within your life and not heretical teaching, not heresy. Because, see, John's culture and our culture are a whole lot different. Now, I, I know we have the Houston Astros, and they didn't. We have Facebook, and they didn't, right? But there's a lot of the same things that are the same. See, in his culture... They had people who said, there's a lot of ways to God, just not one. In his culture, they had a group who said, yeah, you can have a little bit of Jesus in your life, but, but you need a higher knowledge. You need more knowledge. You need a higher power than just Jesus. You know, they lived in a culture that said, ah, what you want to determine is right, you determine what's right. You want to determine what's wrong, you determine what's wrong. Have I explained a lot of our culture today? Yeah, pretty much the same. You know, we live in a society now that just says, ah, not one absolute truth. What's right for you is right for you, and what's wrong for me is wrong for me. However you want to decide, that's, that's fine. You can find many different ways to God. There's really no absolute truth. Yeah, you've got the Bible, and you might think that's true, but I don't think that's true. And so what you have is you have a lot of people still today, just like in John's day, that said, you know what, I'm going to put experience over truth. I'm going to put my experience over the word of God. And if if my experience, I determine my experience was right, then it's right. Whether it conflicts with God's word or not, my experience rules over God's word. And um, I want to share this quote with you uh, because Dawn McSwain, one of our members, she wrote this on Facebook this week. And and when I read it, I went to Dawn. I was like, what you just wrote is perfect. It goes in the sermon. Can I quote you? And she said, sure. And then I said, well, if you would have said no, I would have done it anyway because you put it on Facebook and it's out there for everybody. But thanks for letting me. But I want to give Dawn credit on this one because she hit the nail on the head. Here's her question. Christians, have you accepted a cultural view of what's right or wrong based on your experience, feelings, friends, or because you've studied the scriptures and you can support it with the scriptures? Amen? Man, is that where you are? Have you accepted what's right and what's wrong based on your feelings, your experiences, maybe what your parents told you, or maybe what your friends told you, or have you tested them against the Scriptures? So if you don't mind, with, if you'll stand with me. Let's read verses 1 through 6 this morning as we stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. John picks up in verse 1 in this letter, and he says, Beloved, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. 
And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and now is the world already. Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And this morning I confess and in my life I believe it's your word. And Lord, I thank you that your word has has proven true uh, in what you said you would do and who you are. And Father, I I pray this morning that... uh, as we just sang, that the Holy Spirit will, will help us to understand your word, will help us to live out your word, that we may better worship you, follow you, honor you with the lives that you give us. And so, God, thank you for those that have come to, to worship you today. Lord, we recognize that you are in our presence. And so we want to give you this time as a way to, to better know you through the word that you have written through John. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. John starts this portion of the letter uh, where he says in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Uh, You've noticed throughout this letter, if you've been with us, that John will use this term of endearment, beloved or little children. And what John is doing is he's saying, look, I love you. All right, so I'm writing this because I love you. I'm warning you here to test the teachings that you hear to make sure they are right. And so when he warns them, he's warning them out of a heart of love for them, out of a care for them. And I thought about that as parents. Don't we warn our kids of danger? Because we love them, right? You know, now, now kids I know and, and teenagers I know that doesn't always seem that way, but we do. We, we try to tell you of dangers ahead, uh, because we love you. We care for you. We don't want to see you hurt. We don't want to see you upset. You know? So we'll say, hey, don't touch the hot pot. Don't play in traffic. Right? Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't chew or go with girls that do. Right? Right? We, we love you. We care for you. So he's saying, beloved, test the spirits. The word test there means to examine. You know, examine the spirits, examine what you're hearing. Now, John will say uh, in this text, there's, there's a couple of different spirits, and every person has a spirit, if you will. All right, there's the Holy Spirit that lives within us as believers in Jesus Christ. We're going to cover that a little bit more in verse 4. Verse 3, he says there's the spirit of the Antichrist, those who stand against Christ. That's what Antichrist means, you're, you're against Christ. Verse 6, there's a spirit of error. Right? So he's saying everybody's got a spirit. Out of teaching comes that spirit. So the teaching flows from their spirit. So we want to test the teaching you're hearing to make sure it's from the Holy Spirit. It's from the right spirit. Because notice he says in verse 1, here's why we need to test what we hear. Uh, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we remember Jesus warned us of this. Jesus spoke of this. He said in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Matthew 24, 11, Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. All right, so John's saying false prophets are here. 
More false prophets are coming. More false teachers are there. I want to ask you to answer this one out loud, but do we have false teaching in our world today? Sure. Plenty of it. So how do we know what's right and what's wrong? How do we know which teaching's good and which teaching's false? How are you going to determine that in in your life? How are you going to look at that? Well, John says, here's a test. Here's a way you can test it. Look in verse 2. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. All right, so here comes the test. Here's how you know what you're hearing is from the Holy Spirit. Every spirit, okay, so every teaching that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, those that stand against or oppose to Christ, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. You know, uh, school's about to start back. Praise the Lord. And um, some teachers are ready. Some teachers aren't ready. You know, parents are ready. Ready, you know. We're, you know some students are ready. Some students are not ready. But in school, when they give you a test, how do you determine when you write down the answer, it's right or wrong? Well, you write down the answer, number one, maybe it's letter B, you circle. Well, how do you know if you got number one right or you got number one wrong? The teacher will take your test and they'll put it up against the answer key, right? And they'll say, okay, well, the answer key says number one is letter C, you wrote down letter B, you're wrong. Your answer didn't match the answer key. Here's what John's getting at in verse two. There's a test you can give. It's the Jesus test. Guess what the answer key is? Jesus, all right? Jesus is the test. Jesus is the answer. If what they're teaching doesn't match against the biblical Jesus, it's wrong. It's false. It's heresy, right? Because he's the test. He's the answer key. I mean, we we covered this in chapter 2, but let's go back real quick in verses 21 through 23, where he says something pretty similar. He says, I write to you and Chapter 2, verse 21, I write to you not because you know the the truth, but because you've known it and because no lies are the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Verse 23, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So when you go back to chapter 4, and he says in verse 2, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Right? So, so we have to hold on to that historical understanding that when Jesus was here, he was fully God and he was fully man. So the testing you hear, you've got to compare to Jesus. Does it match the biblical Jesus or, or does it not? I love what I. Howard Marshall said in the, his commentary on this. He says, if a person claims to believe in Jesus, it is proper to ask, is your Jesus the real Jesus? Right? So you may be out talking to somebody. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Great. Tell me what you believe. Is your Jesus the real Jesus? That's a fine question. That's a great way to share the gospel. Start it right there. What do you believe about Jesus? 
You know, because some people will say, you know what, I, I follow the make me happy Jesus. That's my Jesus. Make me happy. Jesus, you exist to make me happy. And I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you and I'm going to honor you and I'm going to support you as long as I'm happy. Well, then you have what we would call the prosperity gospel. We would say, you're Jesus, you're here to make me wealthy. And my level of wealth is going to be based on my faith. And, and I show faith and, and you show me wealth. Right? So, so I'm, going to, I'm going to worship the make me happy Jesus. I'm going to worship the make me wealthy Jesus. Or for many people, it's the Jesus take the wheel Jesus. Right? Jesus, I've got it. I'm okay. Uh-oh, something happened. Something went wrong. Jesus, take the wheel. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus is good again. I'm okay. I've got it. Don't need you. Oops, something happened. Jesus, take the wheel again. Have you, have you seen the bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot? You ever seen that one? I love the rebuttal bumper sticker that has been printed, that if Jesus is your co-pilot, switch seats, right? <laughs> switch seats. Because John says, in order to be a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to test the teaching that you hear against the Scriptures. And in order to be a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to get Jesus right. You have to understand fundamentally He was the God-man. Here on earth, He was fully God and He was fully man, that He alone is the Savior. And if you deviate off of that, then you're off of what Scripture says. Because in verse 3, did you notice what He said there? There's a really important word there. He says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. It's standing opposed to Christ. So as a believer in Christ, you have to confess the right Jesus. That word confess there, it means to agree with. So I'm agreeing with the biblical teaching of who Jesus is in order to have salvation. I'm confessing that. Now, now understand, in following Christ, that just doesn't mean a, a verbal confession. Right? Oh yeah, I confess that. I say that. I've prayed that. And when you follow Christ, Jesus says, okay, you want to follow me? You deny yourself. You pick up your cross. You follow me. To follow Christ means to follow Christ. It's to give him your life, to lay your life down for him. To say, you know what, I'm walking with you, Jesus. I'm obeying you, Jesus. I'm, I'm doing what you call me to do, Jesus. And then those that confess Jesus, notice there's a promise in verse 4 that and we're going to camp out for here in a little bit because it's just a, a sweet, sweet promise where he says, little children, you are from God and, and overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I love that verse. And there, there are two verses I really love in 1 John in this letter. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, it's God that is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I just love that verse. And I love this verse. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And notice he calls them little children again, that term of endearment, that love. And he says, you are from God. Well, how do you know if you're from God? How do you know you've been born again? How do you know if you have salvation? If you confess Christ, verse 3. If you line up to verse 2, 
That this is Jesus who came into this world, fully God, fully man, who died on the cross for my sin, and I'm walking by faith with Christ. Then John says, you have come from God, and he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And right there he's speaking of the Holy Spirit in verse 4. The Holy Spirit that indwells in you as a believer in Jesus Christ is greater than anything in anyone in our world. And so what you see in verse 4 is a promise of victory. You see a promise of insurance. You see a promise of protection in verse 4. That the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit guides you, leads you, loves you, protects you, assures you in your faith. And there's something else the Holy Spirit does. I think we've kind of neglected the Holy Spirit a lot in our our understanding of Christianity. But the Holy Spirit, one of the other things he does is he illuminates the Word of God for us. That as believers in Jesus Christ, he helps us understand the Word. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He he illuminates it. So then John says this in verses 5 and 6. He says, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So John's saying, listen, when God gave me these words to write, these aren't my words. God gave me the words. You know, this is John who was with Jesus, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. Saw the miracles of Jesus. Saw Jesus crucified. Spoke to the resurrected Jesus. This is John who was personally commissioned by the resurrected Jesus. Go preach the word. This is John who writes five letters of the New Testament under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gave him the words to write. You know, we we lean on 2 Timothy 3.16 where it says that all words are God-breathed words that we read in the Bible. That God has inspired these words. He's breathed out these words and human authors wrote them down. Now I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, how can we trust this John? Right? How in the world can we trust this guy? How in the world can we trust this book that is before us? I mean, this was 2,000 years ago. John wrote this down. You know what I love about the Bible? Is the Bible is written by over 40 different authors. Over the span of a couple of thousand years people from different continents, different walks of life. You had doctors write portions of the Bible, kings, fishermen. You know, John, when he followed Jesus, teenager, had a shepherd by the name of David write a lot of it. And so you think about all those different things. Over 40 years, or over 40 books, over thousands of years, different continents, different walks of life, all those things. But yet the Bible has one theme. In one message, God is God, creator of everything. We've sinned against him. He's made a way for us to get back to him through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he promised it in the very beginning in Genesis 3.15. He fulfills it in the very last verse of the Bible all through Revelation. And we see this theme run all the way through Scripture without theological contradictions, without it ever getting off that theme. If I came over to this side of the sanctuary, over to the left, and I gave Willie a message, and I said, all right, Willie, I'm going to give you a message, and I want you guys to pass that message around, and you're going to go all the way up and down these rows with that one message, and we're going to end at Martin. 
do you think we're going to keep on the same message from Willie to Martin? Nope. That's impossible, isn't it? How is this possible? Because it's God's word. It's word that was breathed out by him. Now, how can we understand it? What's the work of the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit helps us to illuminate and understand the word. And last week, we talked a lot about loving one another. And I encouraged you in that to say, okay, there's a lot of one another commands in Scripture. There's one, you know, love one another, serve one another, pray for one another. You know, we see those one another's all played out through John. I kind of challenged you last week to say, how are you going to do that isolated? How are you as a Christian going to do that isolated if you're not connected in relationships with other people? So I kind of encourage you, if you're not in a life group, give a life group a try because you need to build relationships in order to fulfill all those one another commands. Well, let me kind of encourage you in life groups this way as well. Here's why it's important to be in a life group. Because in a life group, one of the purposes of the life group is to study the scriptures together. So yes, we want to pray with each other, we want to serve each other, we want to help each other, we want to live life together, but we want to study the Bible together. And so in a life group, it's important for you to come in and you're studying Scripture within community. Now understand, when we gather and we're studying a passage, let's say like this, it would be wrong of us to go, well, what does this mean to you? And what does this mean to you? And what does this mean to you? And what does this mean to you? Some of you have probably been in those Bible studies before. It's been years ago. Sandra and I were in one of those Bible studies. And uh, we didn't stay long. We found another group because they were kind of taking a passage. They go, what does it mean to you? 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 You know, go around the circle. There's one guy that's way off in left field. Not even in the same ballpark of the passage. And he goes, well, this is what I think it means to me. And I look at him and I say, no. That's not what it means. Right? Now, there, 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 there's one interpretation of a passage. There's many different applications. So when you get together, we're not pulling together to say, okay, well, what does this mean? And we come up with 10 different options. No, we're trying to exegete. We're trying to pull out from the scripture the meaning of the text. So I like to do this visually when I work on a sermon. Is if I'm writing, you know, and I'm working through this in John, I like to envision John sitting right beside me. And as I'm working through the passage and I'm, I'm coming up with what I think the passage means and I'm pulling it out and I'm looking and I'm studying, I like to just kind of look over and, and envision John there. And some of you are thinking, oh, great. Now he's seeing people and he talks to himself. Wonderful. You know you talk to yourself. That's okay. It's just hard when you get in a fight with yourself. Man, I got so mad at myself the other day, I didn't talk to myself for two days, right? I mean, have you ever been there? You just get so mad with yourself, you just stop talking for a couple of days. But I like to do it because I look over and I can envision John kind of giving me a thumbs up, like, all right, you're on the right track. Or he's shaking his head and going, nope, keep working. Keep working. See, John wrote what he wrote for a reason. There's a meaning to that. Now, the application of a text can go far out. There's a different application a lot of times for for one group to another group. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And you've been there before. You've experienced that. I've experienced that. There's there's times where I've come out of sermons and somebody walks up to me and is like, man, what you said right there, wow, that really had an impact in my life. And I'm looking at him thinking, that wasn't the meaning of the whole message. Okay, 
Yeah, cool. That's the Holy Spirit working in that moment where I may have said something and boom, it just had an impact in you. So there's one meaning. There's many applications. So when you come into life groups, that's what you're doing. It's an accountability system you can have within your life where you're pulling together with other believers in Jesus so we can hold each other accountable to stay with our fingers on the text, stay within the book, stay within the right teaching of Scripture. But I love also what verse 4 does because it gives us application in this way. He who is greater, or he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, the Holy Spirit is one who helps us understand. It might look like evil is winning at times, but he's still greater than evil. You know, it it reminds us of the song we sang earlier. If our God is for us, then who can ever stop us? If our God is with us, then what can stand against? If our God is for us, then who can ever stop us? If our God is with us, then what can stand against? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, amen? That's what John's saying in verse 4. This God that's in you, this Holy Spirit's in you, he's greater than anything in the world. He's greater than Satan. He's greater than any false teacher. He's greater than any problem that you have. I found this picture. um, I was thinking out of a way to just kind of illustrate this. and um, I found this picture online when I was thinking about all the storms that we have in life we face. And I don't know about you, but it seems like those waves kind of hit at times, don't they? It's wave after wave after wave. Maybe it's great winds that are blowing against you right now. Strong waves that are hitting you. And I was thinking of verse 4 and and just to say, you know, God, your Holy Spirit's that rock that we stand on. In the middle of all those storms, I found this picture online because I I thought it just really illustrated verse 4 well. Is that no matter what, what storm you're in right now, those waves that you feel like are just crashing over you, that wind that's beating against you, and you're turning on the TV and you're just like, what's going on in our world? It seems like evil's winning and all these things are out of control. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're standing on a rock in the middle of all those storms. He's your rock. He's your rock in, in all those problems. The Holy Spirit says, I'm here to protect you. I'm here to give you assurance. I'm here to give you victory over, over all those things one day because of what Jesus has done. So this morning, have you placed your faith, your trust in the biblical Jesus? Or have you bought into the lie from the world that you don't need him? You know, we're about to sing a song here in a moment. And let me read you a couple of the words because I really love these words. It says, you stood before my failure and carried the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. So what can I say? What can I do but offer this heart, O God, completely to you? So I'll walk upon salvation, your spirit alive in me, this life to declare your promise, my soul now to stand. And you stop and think about what Jesus has done. What can I say? What can I do but offer this life completely over to you? Maybe this morning you need to say, I I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. 
I'm ready to, to believe in him and to start a relationship with him and to follow him. Well, then in a moment when we stand and we sing that song, I'm going to be right here up front. You can come and talk to me and say, look, I want to know Jesus as my Savior. I, there's going to be a couple to my left, to my right. I'm going to pray with you, and then I'm going to have you go talk to one of them. They're going to answer questions for you, pray for you, help you take that next step of faith. But, you know, when I read this text and I, I think about what it means, I want to challenge you to do this this morning. Would you pray for our younger generation coming up? Would you pray for our kids? Would you pray for our teenagers? Would you pray for for them? Because I look at what some of them face now that I didn't have to face growing up. That many of you would have never imagined you would have had to face growing up. And I look at the world they're living in and coming up in And I think a prayer that we could offer the next generation this morning is simply this. God, would you help them stand on your truth? Lord, would you help them understand truth from your word and not just truth from feelings, not just truth from experience, but God, would you give them the insight to be able to stand and know what's right and help them to stand on your word. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org.